0: Hi, this is Dion Begg from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy.
1: Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 108. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay.
0: Welcome back to the Breakthrough Podcast, everybody. Sandy, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm awesome. Today are you? I am doing great. I'm I am inside the air conditioning, but it is roasting hot here where I am. Finally made it on that trip I've been talking about for Knows how long. So we've been in Costa Rica. This is the last day. Then I gotta come home tomorrow. So it has been fun though. I've been more adventurous than normal. I did the uh I didn't do the resort thing this time. Just, you know, went and stayed at an Airbnb and did some cool adventure stuff, you know, that typically wouldn't do with the kids, right? They're getting older,
1: so makes it easier. But it's been fun. Cool. How about you? Costa Rica's uh seems to be a haven for real estate investors these days.
0: Yeah, I'm going to look into that when I get back. Actually, I wanted to see if the place had potential first. I'm in Hakko Beach, and it seems to have quite a bit of potential actually. It seems to be up and coming right now.
1: Very cool, very cool. Yeah. Well, congrats, hopefully you enjoy the trip. Um, nice to be able to do some, well, not maybe it's not nice, but <laughs> nice to be able to uh, add some value still to our audience while you're away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, it's been a, been a slow work week, so I don't mind. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. So uh, as our, uh, our guests here are standing by, we're going to get to him in just a minute. But uh, first of all, I wanted to remind everyone to jump on over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Uh, download our free report there, The Ultimate uh, the ultimate Strategy for Building Wealth Through Real Estate. And you can get on our email list that way and get updated on all of our... Events and, uh, and things going on, Rob's property tours that he does out, out in his area and all sorts of events that we got going on. So get on that list so you never miss out. And also uh, get on over to iTunes. What can they do on iTunes for us there, Rob? it would be cool if
0: they rated and reviewed the show over there. So that is a good place where people can pick up on which podcasts are good, uh, have good information. And there's, uh, there's, there's other ones, but, you know, come on over and check ours out and give us a rating and review. And uh, five stars or let us know what maybe things that you think we can improve
1: on or uh guests that you'd like to hear on the show. Don't complain oh. about the audio content with Rob uh, being away. It's always, uh, Not right
0: now. Not this time. Stuff,
1: no. No. So, <clears throat> Although I the... can
0: see you don't have your stuff on today either. Well, I figured, you know, we're going to go old school. Old school. <laughs> old school. Yeah. We'll just all, we'll all do it.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, we do have uh, our guest here uh, standing by, Kyle Pulis. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'll give uh, everyone a quick rundown on uh, a little bit of his background here before we jump in. But uh, Kyle has over 12 years of senior operations experience in real estate. Uh, he's got a passion and commitment to maximizing returns for passion and commitment to maximize returns form the cornerstone of Kyle's leadership role as co-founder of Pulis Investments. Uh, He's an investor, and Kyle knows the importance of being first, uh, being best, and going the distance. With an eye for location, Kyle's first out of the gate identifying and filling gaps in the underserviced markets. And he's got an instinct for design and renovation, which allows him to take the lead in those markets with desirable multifamily residential purchases. And his expert approach to project management, building efficiency and tenant relationships, uh, give him the wherewithal to maintain and grow that lead over time. Uh, Kyle's been a member of and a regular regular contributor in the past with Rain, also a speaker there. He sits on the advisory board in addition, uh, or sorry, he sits on the board, executive board of the Brampton Downtown Development Corporation, and he holds a business degree from Wilfrid Laurier, and he's also actively served in the Canadian Armed Forces as recently as 2013. So a whole bunch of cool stuff there, Kyle. Anything else to add to that uh, list of accomplishments?
2: No, a bit of a mouthful there. (laughs) yeah yeah. no uh no it's been a journey i'm sure we'll, we'll get the rest of it through the podcast yeah
0: i appreciate you being
2: here kyle thanks for coming
0: yeah no problem so i guess we'll jump right in um tell us about a little bit more about yourself i guess and how you ended up getting into real estate investing
2: Okay, um, I mean this could be a a story that that you know takes us way into the wee morning hours here. So uh, stop me when uh, when I when I've said too much. But um, you know, r- real estate has been something that's become um, you know obviously a significant part of my life over the last uh, fifteen or so years. Um, it was something that was uh, introduced to me when I was around 15, 16 years old. My family owned a furniture store growing up, and my dad has been an entrepreneur and a businessman forever. Um, and kind of raised me to be much of the same. Uh, so I always had a keen interest in business and, and anything really that that involved, um, you know, turning something that you buy for $1 and, and making it into two or three. Uh, so I always had a, an interest in in the business of sorts and investing and, and whatnot. So um, it was pretty natural for me to follow along with whatever my dad was doing at the time and, and his interests were, were similar. Um, so in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, um, my dad became really upset with the returns he was getting on his uh, RRSPs. Um, he had put a, made an investment in for one of my little cousins um, years before, and, and around that time realized that after it being in that account for 10 years, it had pretty much made nothing. Then um, his RRSPs kind of did a, a very similar trend, and he started to look out into the investment space as to what other opportunities there were, there were in the world. And that's kind of what introduced him. Uh, into real estate, that in a number of networking groups like Rain and and Raymond Allen and a number of other uh, groups that were all sort of real estate oriented. Um, that kind of started. I'm going to call it our family's journey into real estate. Um, my dad had that that initial inclination to to get in and and kind of learn a bit about it, and I naturally followed him behind. So my dad would read a, a real estate book or a finance book like Rich Dad Poor Dad, um, leave it on the coffee table, and then you know, me at 14, 15, 16, would just pick it up behind him and begin reading it. And, and you know, every breakfast and or dinner uh, or car ride up to the cottage or a hockey game, I'd be picking his brain on the questions I had from that book. Um, so that was kind of the start of what got us into real estate. Quickly, my dad began getting uh, actually active into real estate, buying a couple single family homes in St. Catharines that he converted into uh, student housing. Uh, and I would spend my summers Uh, up there with him and we'd be, you know, doing the renovations and or planning uh, what we thought would be the, you know, the best layout and or uh, business opportunity for, for um, that house and how we could get it rented and whatnot. So um, again, when we, when my dad started getting into real estate around 2000, 2002 um, I was right there and beside him trying to learn as much as I could. Um, It was interesting at that point, although I, I, I didn't have the, the, you know, Full perspective to really see the, the power uh, of real estate and, and how it was going to transform our life and our future going forward. Um, but it was something that, uh, at the very least, I could see and understand because real estate is something that is, is quite simple. Um, you know, the money coming in on a monthly basis, he would break out for me, these were the expenses, and then, you know, show that the monthly cash flow at the end of the day. Now, obviously, those numbers um, <laughs> are all projections. And, and you learn that pretty quick in real estate, that there's uh, what you think is gonna happen and then uh, everything sounds good on paper, but then there's the actual practical portion of managing the assets um, over that course of time and, and renting them out and, and everything where you, where you learn the, the difficult points of, of being a real estate investor. But nonetheless, it was, uh, it was a really good experience working alongside him and, and learning from the, 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 the grassroots beginnings as to you know how real estate works. So how old were you at this point in time, I guess, when, when you picked up those first couple properties? Oh, like grade nine, 10, 11. Um, so you're was, involved
0: just from the perspective of seeing what's going on So at that point. So let's yeah, talk you about-
2: know what, my, my, yeah. My dad, yeah, I mean, a little more. My dad was, was phenomenal. And this is something that I want to you know, pass down with my boys is my dad was incredible at taking the time um, knowing my interest level and breaking out all of the steps and kind of including me in on the strategy and the decision-making even on his part right so here he is looking at properties that agents are selling him or, or pitching him you know he's running the numbers but as he's running the numbers and, and let's be honest here he had never bought a property before so he had as many questions about this as i did but he was kind of including me in on um, the thought process and the, the questions that he had and why he had those questions so um you know he would, uh, he was it was a huge learning experience for both of us together um, but mm-hmm. the fact that he was including me in on that um one he was a sounding board for me but two it, you know how the the old adage that goes it's like if you want to learn something have someone asking you a million questions right so i think that helped him as well um and yeah so we we're really young uh as far as uh, you know my my starting in this and and it was uh is a really really good experience at that at beginning stage, getting having the ability for my dad to include me as he did and, and get so nitty gritty into the the thought process there.
0: Okay, okay. So you learned a lot from him, and and that's great. Like that's invaluable now for you starting out in your journey. So how did what what was the first place that you bought?
2: Absolutely. So the um, so after high school, I went to Laurier, as as uh, Sandy mentioned. Uh, for school. And at that time, my dad probably had about three or four under his belt. Um, and he saw the opportunity there as as much as I did at that point, where um, just like every other university student that that moves away from home, uh, you know, you spend first year in residence. And then from that point on, um, they kind of kick you out of res and tell you to go and, and find student housing in and around the, the vicinity of the school. So um, in first year, my dad and I discussed going in together on a property instead of me going off and renting from some, you know, uh, property owner in the area for me to go off and get my feet wet and, uh, and buy my first property. So my dad lent me, I'm going to say lent me, he didn't lend me, he was a joint venture partner um, in, the, uh, in, in buying a duplex in Waterloo there with me. Um, and he kind of, he kind of threw me to the sharks, to be honest, he, uh, he I rented it to my friends um, and uh, the upstairs was, was rented to my friends and the, the, the bottom portion of the duplex duplex was rented to uh, individuals I didn't know but you know same age and, and became friends over time um, but I had absolutely no clue what to do on a, on a property management level of things because that obviously wasn't anything I had experience with before and he kind of just gave me the keys to the place and let me drive and it was uh, it was a wild ride and you know you, you I, 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 and I'll, I'll get into this just for just for um, you know, those that are thinking of doing a similar thing with their kids, as much as it was a great learning experience, um, you know, managing this this property on my my own and and managing a student house at, at that age, I would definitely um, ask others to to reconsider the the thought of um, having um, myself as the owner live in it amongst uh, the other students. The problem with student housing, as we all know, and as especially now is that uh, tenants seem to think that it's, uh, it's more of a hotel than a rental. And uh, when you're, you know, neat, neck deep in the midterms or, or, or exams and you have your friends slash tenants coming up to you about some issues with the house and it's 2 a.m. and you got a midterm the next day, it's, uh, it's really hard, one, to ignore them, but it's also hard to, to really study. So for others that are looking at, at, uh, looking at doing something similar with their kids, I fully support the idea of, of getting into a joint venture with them and, and getting them to uh, actively involved in managing them, but try and do it in a scenario where they're not having to live in and amongst the, uh, the house and the tenants because especially as a first time real estate investor, cause it's a, uh, it's, it's a really difficult spot to, to put the kid in. But anyways, that was my, my, uh, my first real estate experience. It was, it was a really tough one. Um, but obviously one I got through and, and learned a lot from.
0: You know what? That's a good point, and I think a lot of us do put ourselves through unnecessary pain in the beginning. But you probably wouldn't trade that, right? That experience that you got with it, oh hell yeah, looking back on it, right, <laughs> is is invaluable. You knew not to do it again.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I walked over coals like so I could warn others not to. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's again, it was it was a great experience as far as um, managing a building and, and learning it. You know, but I, I could have. Um, you know, gotten the same experience managing a house two doors down and living in, in, uh, in another one with my friends, right? Um, and, and that's really the important part. I, at that, that stage, you know, with with young kids that, that want to get into it, um, the important part is, is, like, throw them into the, the mix of it, right? Like, get their hands dirty, have them um, go off and, and do a lot of the property management. We can get into kind of recommendations and that stuff later, but um, no, it was, it was definitely an invaluable learning experience and, and something that, um, certainly helped support the the future growth and confidence that I had, um, uh, getting into stuff later
1: on. And so, uh, now going forward from there, <clears throat> you, what's the, what's your investment journey like now? What are you, what are you into now? Or what have you done since then, uh, leading up to today?
2: Sure. So, um, so we had that property. Um, my dad, over, while I was in university, my dad continued um, to to build up his own portfolio, um, bringing in a couple of family members or friends to, to act as JV partners. Kind of started dabbling into um, partnerships, um, and by the time I graduated in two thousand eight um, with a business and finance degree, um, he had about twenty five units at the time, um, and and that was kind of all we we thought we were going to be doing, just buying a couple properties here and there, and and him having his portfolio and kind of go off into the sunset. And I was supposed to join. Um, Go into the finance world and uh, on Bay street or wall street or or something of the sort was my intention. But then the crash happened in 2008 and uh, I couldn't get a finance job if my life depended on it. So I had, I had a lot of free time sitting there over that year. Um, and you know, by mid, you know, winter slash spring of 2009, after, you know, trying unsuccessfully to get jobs for, for quite a while, um, I approached my dad and I said, listen, um, I got a few years here where I'm gonna be probably sitting on the sidelines waiting for the economy to recover. Um, Why don't we put our brains together here um, and see if we can start a real estate investment company? What we're gonna do is, at that time, my dad was semi-retired. He had retired from the furniture store a few years before, um, had a partner running it. He had become a business coach where he had become um, a bit of an expert in coaching um, property management and, and other investment companies. Um, like ones that we've created since um, as a business coach and kind of did that part time. So I kind of, I, my, my, you know, request for a partnership um, was kind of um, it was a difficult one for him to take on because he had a really good lifestyle going at that point. Um, But the opportunity I I posed to him was, listen, um, I need an old man with a gray beard and some credibility and experience to come on the team and help me raise capital. And I'm willing to give up 50% of the company for this. Um, But, and what'll happen though, is I'll do pretty much all the work afterwards. Like you just go off, help me raise the capital and act as my mentor and and, uh, and whatnot throughout the process, help kind of guide me into creating this company. and you know, within five to seven years of you helping to support me, I'll send you back off into retirement and, and you'll be just as free as you are now. So that was the agreement we made. Um, we started Polis Investments in the beginning of 2009. Uh, again, with the intention of going off and, and raising investment capital to um, support um, and, and allow others in, 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 the, in the community. At that time, it was really just, we were just looking at our immediate community. Um, to have them enjoy the the benefits we had seen and, and realized um, could be possible in real estate, right? Uh, again, I, I, I'll, I'll caveat this with you know, we found real estate um, as a means to create a real investment opportunity for ourselves, and it was it started off with a need uh, of for our own cash to go off and actually make money because nothing else was providing it at that time, right? So we we truly saw ourselves. Um, as, as, as kind of white knights going out to, to others and, and offering, you know, the opportunity for them to to join in on this, you know, what we considered to be a gold rush essentially at that time, which was, you know, the, to go off and actually invest your money into something that was going to make money. Um, so anyways, that year we started it, we probably, um, we raised a bunch of money from, from friends and family who, who had, uh, you know, seen what we have done in the past and, and wanted to include themselves in it. Uh, that's we did a bunch of joint ventures that way. Um, pretty much doubled our portfolio in the first year, and began to to really um, gain a hold of of kind of the business structure and 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 what we should and could be doing. Um, from there, we we got into um, limited partnerships. Um, I was up I was in Edmonton at a conference one day, and I heard. Um, Thomas Bayer from, from Invest Plus. No, that's a different one. Thomas Beyer's prestigious, prestigious properties, speaking up on stage of how he owned about $120 million worth of property. And I couldn't fathom the concept of how he would do you know, the physical closings on those properties, on that amount of properties with, with the conceivable amount of investors he had, like the logistics involved in, in what my, my uh, you know, experience had been at that point. Uh, of bringing on one or two investors and trying to close a deal I couldn't even you know conceive as to what he was possibly doing through so I had to go and figure out what was he doing different than than we did and that's where I found the um, the investment structures of uh, limited partnerships with the GPLP structure uh, where we were able to bring in you know hundreds or thousands of investors um, RSP el- eligible um, cash eligible and bring them all and pool them all into one big fund and then take that those dollars and go off and, and buy real estate as a whole. Um, that was a, a, a huge transition in our business model from that point. And from there, we went from essentially raising capital from friends and family to now the, the general public. Um, that, so that obviously came with a ton more scrutiny through the OSC and, and a lot more of a um, kind of um, a lot more responsibility and, and work in, in the, the legal aspects of, of all, everything that goes in around it. Um, but at the same token, uh, allowed us to go off and expand our business model, um, you know, in multiples after that.
1: Can you, go a little, can you go a little deeper on the limited partnership model and what that looks like and how you structure that? Um, if someone's wanting to do that themselves, like what, how do they do that? I think for most, most people, it probably seems a little daunting. So is there any tips or, or strategic advice around that?
2: Yeah. And, and, and it can be. Um, so there's, there's two ways to really do a limited partnership. Um, you know, one is with friends and family that you already know. It's a terrific way where you do a GPLP structure um, to gather friends and family or, or close business associates, whatever it may be. So it could be one or two investors doesn't really matter. Um, but what it is is that it's a very clear and uh, and efficient way to bring investors into a partnership where the general partner um, is the, essentially a managing partner where they carry off the day-to-day duties of managing the assets and and their responsibility um, of taking care of the investment and and profit share distribution and cash distribution and and everything you would normally see in a a joint venture partnership agreement um, is held up into the GP. And then that GP has a partnership agreement with the LP, which is where all the investors are held. Okay. So it's as far as just creating um, an LPGP on that very simple front, it's, it's no more work than creating a joint venture contract. Um, But yet it's, it's exponentially more efficient tax wise uh, as well as the, as far as the uh, relationship goes and uh, the duties and responsibilities, it's much more clearly broken and a much more professional way to do it. The other huge benefit of that is on a joint venture contract, um, you know, you're trying to tie two, three individuals together, and there's no real um, way to, to tie many, if you're bringing on a number of investors together, um, where this allows all of those investors just to pool into one LP as the money partners. And then the, uh, the GP or the, the, the person who's leading the, the joint ventures would sit in a GP position. And it's just that much more clear. Um, anyways, the, the expanded version of that um, gets, considerably more complicated and the reason is is that once you decide you want to raise capital from the, the retail space and or essentially people that you've never met before um, now it, and, and allow and you want to be allowed to market your investment to the to that general public um, essentially it's the same lpgp scenario um, the problem is not the problem but the the the, the next thing is that you have now the OSC to that wants to intervene between the two of you, and, and rightfully so. So, the the securities commissions across the country have come together, and what they've said is like, if you're an investor and you want to offer an investment opportunity, um, we are going to place an exempt market dealer between you and the investors, and that exempt market dealer is going to have the relationship with the individual investors and act as an advisor to them as to um, much like a financial advisor would, where, where they would take on the responsibility of of looking at their portfolio, um, their investment portfolio and and suitability, and declaring if if your investment for them is suitable. So it eliminates the the ability of of unscrupulous investors, real estate investors, going to a nanny across the street and and telling her this is a great investment opportunity even though she's got three years to live and the timeline on your investments 10 years right so it, it really cuts out a lot of uh, a lot of that um yeah the i don't want to get too de- detailed in it because honestly we get into the nitty-gritty of it um it could take all night but it's uh, the, basically <clears throat> the difference is um is putting the exempt market dealer in between and now having them in place um you can raise capital with an om Uh, offering memorandum um, in place on your fund, you can go off and and raise capital from across the country.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds cool. That's very cool. Um, Congratulations for getting to that point too. That's a big accomplishment, I think.
2: Yeah. Thank you. uh... Now
0: let's talk about your side of the business then Um, who's responsible for what roles in, in your business?
2: So I mean, things have grown. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, our, our agreement uh, between my dad and I was to to send him back into retirement. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, we're proud to say that 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 happened a few years ago. I mean, he's still active in the company. Um, he deals with special projects, uh, sits on our board, and, and is a is an advisor um, for me when I when I need one and or um, you know need a need someone to bounce ideas off of and make some tr- strategic decisions. Um, but more or less, he's he's taken. Um, you know, more of a retirement role, and uh, is enjoying the sun in Florida most of the year. Um, I deal with essentially. I look at my role now. So, just just for some some scope and scale and some perspective here. Um, you know, we got about a hundred million dollars worth of assets. Now we probably have about fifteen full time employees. Um, we have, um, you know, another you know, fifteen or twenty individuals that we support. Um, you know, whether like financially through um, you know, contract positions and or guys that are like boots on the ground, um, out of the office sort of thing. Um, you know, so we got a really wide team here. I've broken the company up into a number of different um, separate companies. So we have Drake Property Management, uh, which was a company we actually started way at the very beginning. Um, that company obviously runs all of the property management aspects of it. So I have an individual, Gary, he runs Drake Property Management. Um, we also have a, a, a company called four corners, which is a private lending and acquisitions company that company goes off. And the market's so tight right now in real estate and and finding properties, especially multifamily. So that company's sole focus is to go off and, and find private, uh, like go direct to the owners of buildings across the the province here, um, and convince them to sell essentially. Uh, work with them and, and try to and work out an arrangement where they'd be uh, willing to, to sell their buildings. Um, and either we, we'll absorb that, we'll buy them personally in our personal family portfolio, we'll buy it through one of our investors, um, or we'll wholesale those, those buildings out. So I have some individuals that run that. So I mean, really, at the end of the day, we, we're really breaking things apart um, to a point where I've taken, you know, at the beginning, I was anything and everything to the company, managing all aspects. And as we've been able to grow, um, I've been able to find some, you know, very skilled and passionate individuals to start downloading, you know, the 200 responsibilities and titles that uh, that I was was, uh, carrying on in myself. Um, So that now I can focus on our forward trajectory, right? My goal is to, um, you know, see the problems coming on our, you know, on the macro level of our business. Um, and solve them before they become problems. Um, also to, to look at our future and see what the, what the future trends are going to be economically um, and or, or in, in the real estate world and figure out, you know, how are we going to capitalize on the opportunities that I see, you know, forthcoming, right? Um, and then to make and it, and it's really, I'm, my job is, and they describe it to me in the office this way, it's like, I'm like the, the hedgehog right? Like burying into the sand, you know, trying to find the gold nuggets. Um, And my team's job is to kind of follow in behind me wherever we're going and sure up the walls, right? I'm constantly bringing us into new opportunities, um, into new avenues or or areas of of investing. And it's my team's job to, to follow in behind and make sure all of the, the big details um, and, and all of the, you know, the, 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 the scary, Risk factors that are associated to to these new ventures and or uh, growth of the company um, are are taken care of and and making sure that everything's going to be you know on a, a solid footprint going forward
1: cool so you're it's really it's a business whereas I think a lot of real estate investors are definitely starting out it's not necessarily all that all that uh, organized and structured it sounds like obviously you've put together a lot of systems in there to fine tune it and um allow for opportunities for others too, to get involved. Right. And you're, you're making some chaos and they're cleaning it up essentially.
2: Yeah. Well, that, that, that's it. Right. I mean, I'm at the fun part now of the business model. Right. I mean, I've, I started at the beginning when in 2009, when we started pull those investments, um, like I said, my dad and I partnered and we went off and, and doubled our portfolio on that side, but in that year, but the, the part I kind of left out of that story was that one of the agreements my dad made with me um, to kind of get him off the bench there and, and partner with me was that I, I promised to, manage all of his properties for free. And at that time I was making nothing. I was living at home and he's like, listen, I'm feeding you and I'm housing you. So, and you want me to be your partner, right? He's like, I'm comfortable not being, your, I'm comfortable, you know, doing what I'm doing. So if you want this, you know, feel free to, to jump on board here and, and get into the nitty gritty of the business. And, and at first I, I him and hot and, and, cause I, I mean, everyone knows property management is, is, is a hell of a lot of work and it's not exactly uh, the most glamorous, um, but I decided to take it on. And 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 that's when we started the company, but man, like at those days I was sitting there um, doing everything from taking out the garbage in some of the triplexes where the tenants were taking it out to, you know, doing the, the account management, working on financing, trying to find new buildings, managing all the renovation projects, leasing out all the units, dealing with all the the the, the tenant headaches, dealing with all the maintenance issues. You know, you're, you're, you're so busy in the day-to-day operations of these individual buildings and, and dealing with these tenants that it's so hard to kind of stick your head out from the clouds and, and see um, you know where the new opportunities are and, and what's coming up and and how can you capitalize on that where you know now uh, fortunately uh, we've been able to you know take a lot of that, that operational responsibility off of me um, you know, building out the accounting team was a big deal. And the property management team was, was a massive one um, where, where now, you know, I can stick my head out and I can focus on, on either networking and, or, you know, putting myself into situations where I'm around individuals um, that are, are, are in the industry and keenly focused on, on, you know, the next chapter of, of the real estate investment world and cycle, and then start to, you know, follow different trends and and try different things. Like one of the new things we're getting into now, um, because real estate prices have been going crazy on, on a multifamily level and cap rates have gone, you know, so far down that it's now becoming a really viable option to begin building. Right. As long as the provincial government doesn't, you know, mess around with the, um, changing of the, the rent controls laws right now, and they keep them as a, as a, um, no rent controls being placed on new builds. You know, I, I finally see it as an opportunity now that is, is uh, you know, one that, that we're going to begin taking a lot of action on. And one that I think a lot of guys in, in my position are really looking at where, you know, two, three years ago that it wasn't even a question.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So purpose, feels- built rental, purpose built rental units is what you're talking about, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Fantastic.
0: I like that idea. We'll have to be back on to talk about
1: that once it's off the ground
2: yeah. yeah. What,
1: what's, um, um, what, what kind of buildings are you buying now then? Are you buying? Is it bigger apartment buildings or what, what type of properties are you buying in these part, or these LPs and that sort of thing?
2: So there's what I'd like to be buying, and then there's what I've had to be buying in the last little bit. So um, you know typically we like to buy buildings that are 40 units to 75 units. Um, I like to be just below um, what a lot of the big REITs are, are buying up, so there's a little less competition. Um, but bigger than, than the average mom and pa can go off and, and buy themselves. So there there was, and I, I use past tense because it, things have changed in the last few years as the market's gotten so tight, but there was a sweet spot there where, where it was pretty easy to go off and, and find buildings. Um, however, because it's been so um, dire in, in the acquisition phase of, of multi- buying multifamilies and, and every company is feeling it, um, know, uh, we're seeing these big REITs come down to, you know, 20, 30, 50 units. Um, And even ourselves, we just bought a a 25 unit building that I would never have looked at a year ago. Um, You know, we, we now had to acquire it. We got, we're, we're sitting on some money. It's a great building. It's going to do well. It's just, you know, we we wouldn't normally look to um, deploy these small amounts of quantity or capital that we'd be, we would look to, you know, buy something a little bigger and more efficiently deploy it. But it's uh, it's been really dry out there, so um, kind of got to do what you got to do.
1: So um, let's talk about some uh, maybe some failures. What are were any any big failures you've had that you've learned from and uh, and people could le- could learn from and hopefully avoid?
2: <laughs> um, you know what that I I, I I hate to say it, but there's um, I don't I I haven't really had any failures. Knock on wood. I mean I've had a. Uh, I mean, the, the, the real failures I've had were, okay, I, I, I got one. It, it was, I started a, f- a few years ago. I started a flip division. Um, it was actually as my dad was, was kind of beginning to retire off. Um, he wanted to take away his, his day-to-day responsibilities, but didn't want to um, do nothing either. Um, so we started a little flip company and we, I tried to time the market. So, we, we, we ended up buying a, a, a property. It had a six month closing. Um, it closed March, 2017. And my agent at that time said to me, Hey, um, it was a single family house in Mississauga. He's like, you don't, because had, we'd had that boom, the winter of 2017. And he's like, we could probably flip this property off for a hundred grand more than you bought it. You'll net like 80 grand say, and, you know, we could sell this right now. In my cockiness and, uh, and I guess my, uh, my, I don't know what it was, but I said, no, you know what? This market's going to continue to do its thing. And uh, let's sell it. Let's not touch it. We won't renovate it. I like the strategy there, obviously. Um, but let's wait till September. So I got a little greedy here. And I went away um, to Hawaii with my, my wife and, and friends of ours. And midway through the trip, I get a notification from like CTV news or something where Kathleen Wynne had, I don't know, it was a desperate political attempt to to do something, but ended up eliminating the rent control laws or or changing the rent control laws where where forced all the the new builds to to be rent controlled and uh, to put in that foreign buyer tax and and everything that, that she did in that one file swoop. And it just devastated the market there for a little while. So I ended up having to get home. We renovated that, that building after we waited a year, renovated it, and ended up losing about 200 grand. So the moral of the story is twofold. One, don't get greedy. If you can make money for nothing, do it. Um, two, you know, the, as, as safe as real estate is, um, one thing I learned um, is the political risk involved in, in real estate, right? Um, if you're, as long as you have long timelines, I mean, it's, it's holding real estate, cash flowing real estate, especially, you know, you could weather any storm, whether it be a recession, you know, a slight dip in the market um, or, or political faux pas. Um, but the, if you're in the flip business or you're in a short-term commitments with investors where you're like, you're giving them five-year commitments or timelines and you're like, in five years, you're going to get your money back. You know, always have clauses or or things that will extend that timeline Um, because, you know, frankly, real estate doesn't work on on fixed timelines and whatever you think is going to happen might not happen. Um, So always give yourself some extra room there. Um, And on the political risk side, you know, I I think we could all agree at this point that every rule that Kathleen Wynne put in place that day was counterintuitive to the real goal she was trying to solve. Um, but she did it all for uh, political gain. It was going to win her some points. It looked like she was doing something uh, on the short term. And it looked like what, especially on the short term when real estate prices fell there, it looked like, you know, she was, you know, w- what she did was correct. Um, but anyone with an economics background of any sort could see that what she did might've had a, a, a positive short-term response uh, to her, um, her political career positive and to these you know renters and or home buyers again very short term short sighted view but on the long term development of new builds stopped or and or halted and uh, especially with the rental products all of that stopped in, in its tracks when she did that so mm. the long term <clears throat> repercussions of that for everyone now and here we are what 2020 2 3 years later and we're having another huge boom and it's not because, you know, anything's changed. The, the, all the buyers from those few years are were, were still there, they all still need homes. We got how many new immigrants coming in every year and, and whatnot. Anyways, I can get into a, a whole story about this, but net-net, the you, know, y- you, can never, um, you can never assume that things are going to follow the right course of action and or common sense, especially when it comes to politics. So, um, you know, always be worried about that on your SWOT analysis sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I like the way that you put it in that, you know, if you can make the money for free, do it. Like I think that that would be the key point there because I I don't necessarily think there was anything wrong with your strategy. It just didn't work out based on a circumstance and it wasn't even trying to really time the market other than that. You knew that typically September would be a good time to sell. Right. So, yeah. uh, So, I really like that you you said, yeah, well, if you can take the money for nothing, then do it. And there's a couple of flips that I've done, too, where I just went, man, if I had just done nothing, I probably would have made more money.
2: Exactly. Um, well, well, you just don't know. I mean, again, the, the real point of that that was, is, is, yeah, make money for nothing. Because even when you don't see anything that is going to, you know, I, I, I could never have predicted Kathleen Wynn doing what she did at that mm-hmm. point. Because like I said, it was so counterintuitive to what I thought what the real goals were, right? Um, so, I mean, that just blindsided me way out of left field. And what that taught me, though, was that be prepared for stuff that you, could, you can't see coming, right? It's a, and always set yourself up as to, you know, with contingencies and or, you know, maybe taking one on the chin and, and you know, only earning 80 grand on a deal where maybe, yeah, if she didn't do what she did, I could have made 150 if I waited to September. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's better to just take that 80 while you can and, and not have to, um, you know, bear the risk of, of what you can't see coming.
0: Well, we've heard a lot of good pieces of advice right there, but let's just take the number one piece of advice that you have for somebody interested in getting into real estate investing. Let's do that. That'll, that'll wrap us up here.
2: A lot of people get into this analysis paralysis, um, you know, where they – they sit there and, and analyze properties and or opportunities to the end of days um, and, and never end up pulling the trigger. And that whole time, you know, these five or ten thousand dollars they thought they were going to be saving um, on a property or were trying to over negotiate or, or what have you, um, you know, they've lost in property value increases over that six months or a year or two years. Um, that end it don't expand too quickly. So when you go off and buy your first property, what try and property manage it yourself because if you do, it, it'll give you the sense of confidence um, in in both the, the real estate investment, but also uh, you you won't feel afraid if your property manager, whoever you do decide to hire down the road, um, decides to quit or or tries to hold you hostage because if you know how to manage your properties, you can't be held hostage by anyone because you can always always take them over. But by owning and managing your own property, especially for the first year. I always tell individuals who are starting to buy a single family home or buy their first investment investment property and own it and manage it for a 12 month period. Canada has four seasons and all four seasons bring, you know, different personalities out of individuals and, and buildings alike, right? So you get 12 seasons or 12 months worth of uh, experience and knowledge and understanding how your building and tenants will uh, will act in these periods. And then you can go off from that point and begin to buy other assets and, 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 and begin to grow your portfolio now with a solid foundation. Um, yeah, that would be the the two biggest pieces I'd, I'd offer to individuals.
1: Cool. Makes sense to me. It's uh, great advice. Rob, anything else? Uh, no, I think that's good, man. He's shared a
0: lot. I appreciate you coming on, Kyle.
1: No problem. Thanks a lot for having me. <clears throat> Yeah, that was great. we haven't talked. Um, you know, maybe maybe down the road we'll talk even further, but we haven't talked that deep on um, equity private private equity funds, limited partnerships, all no. that stuff. So no, we definitely haven't. Yeah, For it's a we'll show in itself. Insight. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's way more to get to give you know that people. If you want to learn more, you could probably have to research it a bunch more a little bit there, but there's a ton more underneath that. I'm sure that uh, that come into play.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't want to take up the whole show the and get and too nitty gritty there, but hopefully you got enough.
1: Awesome. Well, that's pretty much it, Rob. We're going to wrap up. Sounds
0: good.
2: Okay. Well, everybody, thanks
0: for listening and we'll talk to you next time.